We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. You guys listening are the alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alumni. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To have with Georgia. Always and forever. Crochet it on a pillow so that you don't forget it. All right, so I know what you're going to be doing during the show. You're going to be crocheting while dropping yes. some knowledge on us. Uh, uh, so, out. welcome to episode number 23, also known as the Anthony Morrow episode. Uh, probably the most notable tech basketball player to wear number 23 was Anthony Morrow, who hit 258 three-point field goals in his career and connected on 42.1% of his three-point tries from 2005 to 2008. Uh, so... Became Thank you, Anthony. Became a rotation player in the NBA. Absolutely. Was a, and was was number. one of those players uh, under Hewitt who uh, was not really a lot was expected, kind of one of those. He was a good recruit, but he wasn't a top recruit. And he just turned himself into a player. Kind of was an afterthought in the NBA draft, if I'm not mistaken. And just, you can shoot. Yeah, They'll find so. a spot for you. Yeah, that's that's how it is. Um, fortunately, we started doing this a little late, so we missed a lot of the uh, guys that I'm familiar with, from the Jose Alvarado episode to the Moses Wright episode to the Michael DeVoe episode, where we kept fumbling through our words. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll we'll find ways to continue to talk about those guys as we move forward. Uh, I uh, unfortunately, so this is uh, we're we're recording this right at the end of January. It should be the time where we spend a vast majority of the show talking about the depth of the ACC season, talking about how, you know, how we're going to finish the season in basketball and really isn't much to talk about with either basketball team right now. So tell everybody what the second half of the show is going to be after we finish the news. Well, we're going to take a, a nice deep dive into something that is very, very huge in college athletics now, and that is the transfer portal. Um, what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? Is it good for the team? Is it good for the players? Is it good for the fans? Well, basically, what is this monster and what do we think of it? And we're going to kind of give our thoughts for it. This is about as hot takey as we're going to get on this show. Normally, we just like to cover the news, keep it very, you know, straight laced, 100, very analytical try to keep our feet on the ground. But this is something that's kind of the more I've, I've, you know, you watch college football, it's becoming more and more an undeniable reality. It's not going away anytime soon. So we wanted to give our thoughts on it. I just looked uh, in the interim and uh, what's the good word? Hot takey is now the 73rd highest trending uh, topic <laughs> on Twitter. So uh, in the state of Georgia, uh, north of I-20. So I'm really excited about our metrics. So we got that going for us. We got. <laughs> so uh, for those of you uh, that uh, might be your first time to the show, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. 
we are a safe space for Georgia Tech alum and fans, and we talk about Georgia Tech athletics. Half of the show is news, and half of the show is a little, like, like Joshua said, deeper dive into a particular topic, usually around Tech athletics. But as we stated at the top, uh, not a lot to talk about in the uh, main sport happening right now on campus, which is basketball. Joshua, why don't I let you quickly, because there ain't much to cover, talk about the latest with the bas- men's basketball team. You're right, there isn't much to cover, because if you've seen one Tech basketball game, you've pretty much seen them all at this point, save for that albatross of a Miami game that was completely unexpected, and I still cannot explain it. So Georgia Tech played Syracuse on Saturday the 21st, and stop me if you heard it before, Tech started off pretty good. In fact, they were up by about 11, um, 12 and a half minutes, or eight and a half, with 12 minutes and 30 seconds remaining in the first half, Syracuse went on a run, ended up ended up in the lead and ended the half up 40 to 33. Unfortunately, um, it would not go well from there because they would continue to play well, push their lead out, and they would eventually win the game 80 to 63. Georgia Tech, you know, they looked okay in the first half. Uh, They only scored 30 points in the second, gave up 40 in both halves. So very hard to typically win basketball games. Uh, because then your offense has to be that much more better. Uh, looking at the team, Debo Coleman had one of his better games of the season. He had 17 points on six of nine shooting, five of eight from three. Played the entire game, actually. So shout out to the Ironman, Debo Coleman. Miles Kelly had 13 on five of 14 shooting, three of 11 from three. Jalen Moore had 11 um, on four of 13 shooting. So as you can see, outside of Debo Coleman, not a lot of efficient scoring going on for the Yellow Jackets. Um, Kyle Sturdivant did have seven points and two assists on three of eight shooting uh, off the bench. He was also one of six from three, so that means he was two of two inside the arc. Kyle, I'm not going to tell you how to play. I am just going to tell you to um, look at the numbers, and I think you might find a nice little trend there that you might want to continue. Overall, Georgia Tech shot 43% from the field, 32% from three, and 50% from the line. Interesting discrepancy. Syracuse shot 18 free throws. Georgia Tech shot six. So quite the gulf. Yeah. So we we took way too many three. Okay. So full full disclosure. We did take this 31 the, threes. Yeah. Full disclosure. This is the first game of the season that I have not watched. Uh, I taped it. I followed it on my phone. Uh, and when I saw what was happening happening yet again, the team of bad runs uh, that that causes major stomach pains uh because we just we can't score we we were up uh we scored 20 some points in the first what nine minutes and then we scored 40 the rest of the other 30 minutes or something like that just just not good um and by the way josh pastner who might be the most positive person on the planet uh always sees the silver lining really upbeat uh while he was trying to be upbeat in his post game, he acknowledged some things that the fans are frustrated. He acknowledged they're frustrated. He acknowledged they should be playing better. You know, we've heard the quote, they got to get to 70. We still aren't getting to 70. Uh, Our defense is just not there. We're doing some good things, but not enough to win. We, if we could stop every game 10 minutes into the game, we'd be undefeated in the ACC, I think, but we don't. And, and that has been very different than other teams that typically he adjusts, they adjust well. This team just does not adjust. 
after the start of the game. So I didn't watch it because I I knew the story. Um, the other big bad news that came out of this game is, and I saw some some fans commenting on it on talk boards, was that for the first time in a long time, sounded like a home game for Syracuse. Uh, when that when you get to that point, that's really bad. Yep, um, that's not good. Especially when um, you're getting outrooted by the team from New York. Right. So you know, it's, uh, it's not like it's not like it's Florida State where it's like a couple hour drive, or you know, it's not like it's like NC State where you just got to cross. It, this is from the north. That's really yeah. bad. All right. So uh, transitioning, uh, there is a little ray of good news, and it comes from the women's basketball team. They got off the ACC schneid and did win a game uh, this past week. They uh, defeated Syracuse. They did lose to North Carolina. Uh, But the big news out of the week was that uh, Tony Morgan was named, freshman Tony Morgan was named the ACC Rookie of the Week. Uh, She basically averaged a double-double for the week. She averaged 15.5 points and 11.5 rebounds in the uh, split uh, week of winning at Syracuse, losing at North Carolina. Against Syracuse, she had 16 points and a career-high 15 rebounds. And on Sunday, playing at number 17, North Carolina, she had 15 points and eight rebounds. So well done to Tony Morgan. Well done to the Lady Jackets. It's now a race among the two basketball teams to see who can get to two ACC wins. Very sad that we have to say that. Um, Transitioning, uh, we're going to talk – transfer portal news before we talk about the transfer portal itself because uh technically the window closed to enter it but it is still open the people that are in it can still commit to schools correct you know it's one of those things um overall georgia tech has lost 11 players to the portal they have brought 12 in so you know it a war of attrition clearly i was going to give a brief update on where the people leaving georgia tech currently are committed to end up just to kind of you know sum it all up, and then we'll get to the one and one that happened, one leaving, one coming in. So Demetrius Knight was the first Georgia Tech player to officially hit the transfer portal. He is still unsigned. I uh, didn't play a lot at Georgia Tech, so not much of a surprise. Uh, da, da, da. Jeff Sims, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, is committed to Nebraska. Uh, he's going to go play for the new head coach Matt Rule over there. Uh, Ryan King, the wide receiver, he's going to Eastern East Carolina. Uh, didn't get a lot of chance to play at Tech, so maybe he'll get a chance to play there. R.J. Adams, uh, second time he's transferring in as many years in college. He is going to Memphis. Uh, he was the guard that came from Kentucky last season, didn't play at all, and decided, I've had enough of this. I'm gone. Um, let's see. There's a couple others, obviously. Dylan McDuffie, uh, the running back that we brought in from Buffalo last year, he is going to Kansas. Uh, he's going to try to join that resurgent program. Tyson Fumashan ended up at UMass, which, if you know anything about UMass and their football program, not very good. So um, good luck to him. I hope he plays, but, you know, would have won a lot more games here. Uh, Derek Allen and Nate McCollum both going to UNC, uh, so we probably will see them at some point, either this season or next season. Uh, Paula Vipulu, one of the guards that started off starting, he kind of rotated in and out. He's going to North Texas. Uh, so he's going to get a chance to play down there. And then Kalani Norris, I believe he technically entered the portal when uh, Collins was fired or he left the team and is now officially in the portal. He doesn't have a team just yet. Um, as for the new ones today, 
Zamari Walton, who made a big deal about how he was coming back to Tech, coming back for a senior season. He partnered with the Techway NIL Collective Group. He hit the portal like a couple days ago and has announced that he is going to Ole Miss. So that is another stud Georgia Tech defensive player in as many years to head over to Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Um, I can't say I'm happy about it because I like Zamari and I thought he was an absolute stud and I was looking forward to having him in the secondary again. Uh, obviously, we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, I do hope that he gets bossed when we play Ole, Ole Miss this coming season. Hope Leo Blackburn climbs the ladder on him and um, takes him down. But uh, yeah, in all in all in all honesty, good luck to Zamari. Uh, George Tech did pick up a new player though. Uh, they continue to rebuild that linebacker room where they lost so much talent. This time they went up north to Rutgers University and they brought in a kid from Florida. I don't know how he ended up up north from Tampa, Florida, but Austin Dean, he is a six foot two, 225 pound rising junior linebacker. Um, he did get a chance to play, played all 12 games last year. He started one. Um, he was an academic all Big Ten. So kid knows his way around the classroom. Uh, he totaled 19 tackles. He made six stops in that one start that I mentioned. And as a freshman, he did get to actually play in eight games and kind of got some experience there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I'm not going to bring in some kind of like sweeping conclusion and make a prediction for what he'll be. But, you know, he's another body in that linebacker room. Uh, Georgia Tech just bringing in a decent amount of people. That makes three linebackers we've added as transfers, a few as recruits, and like one or two guys coming back from last season's squad. Nice. All right, so a uh, couple of pieces of news that uh, I'll just kind of wrap up with. Uh, all of this that I'm getting uh, is from the ramblinrec.com website. So volleyball, which we followed during the fall and had a very good season, they have started their spring practice. Uh, there's some gallery of some pictures of them uh, gathering and starting for the new season. They'll do some spring practice before the end of school. The men, men's tennis team had a double header over the weekend. They faced Wofford and Alabama State. Absolutely destroyed two uh, squads that they should destroy. One, yeah. uh, one match, 7-0, and won the other match, 6-1. So well done to the men's tennis team there. The track and field competed at Vanderbilt. I won't go through the team competition because I'll be completely honest. I don't know if I understand the scoring for the team competition yet. I'm just an alum. I don't necessarily uh, follow everything, but I'll give you some of the highlights. Uh, the 60 meter hurdles women's event, Anna Witherspoon placed first and Taylor Grimes placed second in to qualify. Witherspoon went on to win the finals. And Grimes earned a second-place time. So they finished 1-2 in both the qualifying and the finals. Shalea Harris finished second in the first round of the women's 60-meter and then ended up winning the finals with a time of 7.41. Jameer Gibson, who we talked about last show, placed fourth in the men's shot put. Jameer, are you, uh, you, you regressing a little bit? I'm just kidding. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> Continue to throw that shot put very well. Well done. And John Watkins finished fifth in the men's triple jump. There are other highlights. I'll stop there and just tell you ramblinrec.com has all the details from all the meets. 
Uh, last thing I will mention, two things I'll mention, going back to men's basketball briefly, this show is going to be airing after the Clemson game. We decided to record the show before the Clemson game because, to be honest, I don't know if we can handle too much more depression in talking about the basketball team. We're rooting for you guys. We love you guys. We know you can play your best. You just haven't shown us other than the Miami game and a couple of games early in the season. So hopefully they'll have a better showing. They are playing at Clemson. Clemson is now ranked in the top 25. Also, they play Duke on Saturday, and then a week from Wednesday on February 1st is the game that apparently Joshua the Fan has circled in giant gold and black markers saying that if we don't beat Louisville, he might go on a hunger strike or something to that effect. If we don't beat Louisville, I will start screaming for Josh Pastner's job. And I am a huge Josh Pastner fan. I love Josh Pastner. But if you lose to a team that is 2-17, and 17, and that's Overall. inside and outside of the yeah. ACC, you, you, there's no more argument. Like, that is it. There's, well, there's nothing that you can do. Assuming we don't beat Clemson and Duke, if you lose to Louisville, you will then be the last place ACC team, which is what you were predicted by the by the experts. Uh, yes. And I, okay. It's just, okay. 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 This is how bad it's got. We're talking over each other. <laughs> I did want to give one last. Let's give one last piece of news and let's make it good news before we get in to the topic of the transfer portal. I just want to remind everybody the baseball season is starting and softball as well, uh, coming up fairly quickly. The baseball team on their Facebook page was talking about as of this recording, there was like 24, 25 days left till their first game. And we said this in a past episode, but for all those people who are talking about recruiting, especially in sports like football and basketball, Georgia Tech baseball has a top five recruiting class for 2023. Joshua talked about that in a past episode. We are the top rated class in the ACC. We had eight players drafted in the MLB draft, and we seem to be replacing them well. Now, granted, they're freshmen. We'll see what kind of growing pains there are. But if you want to get excited about something in Georgia Tech athletics, get excited about the baseball team. And I'm looking forward to talking about them this spring. So, Having said that, before we get into the larger portion, the deep well, dive into the say, top. I just want to say something for the record. Looked up Louisville. I just wanted to see what was going on. Their two wins are against Western Kentucky and Florida A&M. At the beginning of the season, they lost to Lenore Rhine, who is a Division II school. So if you can't beat a team that lost to a Division II school, we need to have a conversation about what's going on inside that forever. Just backing myself up. And you also took my try at a silver lining on the cloud and bring it down again. Way to go, Johnny Raincloud. I, why don't you uh, go into, before we go into the topic, remind everybody that is joining the show, if they would like to let us know what's going on in their lives or give us their sports takey opinion, hashtag sports takey. Oh, I think we're trending up to number 67 now. Well done. Uh, two away from greatness. Um, yeah, so if they want to get in touch with me, they can email me at joshuajulian26. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Please send in your opinions, takes. Tell us why we're right. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we should be covering something that we didn't even talk about. Whatever it is, just let us know. We would love to interact with you as much as we can. 
friends of the show, Lewis and Kent and others would tell you, hey, if you send them messages, they will respond. And sometimes we'll even bring you uh, talk about you on the air. So we'd love to interact with our fans and if uh, let other people know about what you're doing here and what we're doing here trying to be a safe space and a growing space of Georgia Tech alum and fans talking about athletics. Okay, so tonight this show is going to be one of the times we talk about a topic that is not specifically Georgia Tech related. Yes. Do you want to set up the topic? I can. I can. So um, originally, and when I say originally, I mean like four or five years ago, the transfer portal did exist, right? You could transfer school to school, but you had to get papers signed. You had to sit out for a year. Um, it was a big deal when James Banks, for to keep it, you know, Georgia Tech related. James Banks came over from Texas, and it was a big deal that he got a waiver to play right away, and he uh, like changed the team's defense. He was awesome. Same thing happened with Jordan Usher. He transferred, and he didn't get a waiver until like December in the season. So he came in and kind of provided that jolt of energy. Uh, so back in the day, you know, it took a lot for you to be able to transfer school. So if you went somewhere and you got hurt and then got, you know, usurped on the depth chart or they brought in somebody and he just played better than you, or you just didn't develop the way that everybody thought that you would, you were basically stuck there. Um, but then a couple years ago, the transfer portal was introduced. And I think originally it was kind of, it was right around the COVID year kind of like allow kids to, you know, move free flow, move to schools. And then with the COVID year, they gave a one-time waiver of you're immediately eligible. And then that one-time waiver basically became the rule. You can transfer and just immediately be eligible to play uh, regardless. So it's basically become free agency in college athletics, um, for lack of a better term. You know, they, they don't, Always sign contracts, but because of NIL, they they also do. It was a big deal uh, this past basketball season when a guy from Kansas State, Nigel Pack, uh, it was publicized that he signed a two-year deal with a booster from Miami in the business that he owned for like $800,000, I think, a year. So it, it's become more or less free agency for college athletics, and it, it's – it's a great way for a new coach to come in and flip the roster. Uh, Mike Norvell specifically over at Florida State has become a master at bringing in a ton of guys from all over the place um, to get production. So it's it's become a huge part of team building in college sports. Okay. Thank you for that layout. So in discussing the topic, you wanted to discuss, is it good or bad for college sports? And my first reaction to you was it depends on who you're talking about, because I think uh, at first blush, the answers would be different depending on if you say, is it good for the player? Is it good or bad for the player? Is it good or bad for the coach? And is it good or bad for the fans of the schools? Now, let's state up front before we get into this discussion, no matter what either of us says the other could bring up exceptions to any comments, okay? Yes. I think that needs to be stated. So I'm not, nothing we say is, uh, we have no, we, don't, we might not have a lot of data for it. And this is going to be, that's why you said sports takey, hot sports takey. So uh, there's a lot of opinion here. And probably not a lot of data. We were not coming armed with statistics. I know that over a thousand people have entered the portal. I think both of the, at least the last two years, 
And for basketball, and that's in football less. only. Yeah, football. I, again, I, the basketball one is it, probably less, but it's also a high number. But I know, for example, like the entire LSU team went in, right? But I, well, and a, I don't know. A thousand sounds like a lot, but then you think Division One football teams. There's what over two hundred. So yeah, but we're really talking about because five per team. I don't know the official number because again, we've seen it like now, like people are still entering the portal, um, you know, regardless. So it's over a thousand just because that's a safe number to say. I've seen the, I've seen 1500 somewhere. I don't want to like be quoted on that because I don't want to be wrong, but it's, it's, it's a lot. So, so the first reaction, let's talk about the players. What I'd like to do is talk about each section quickly and give some opinions and thoughts so let's talk, let's start with the players. I think the very first reaction most everybody would have to is the transfer portal good or bad for players would say, well, of course it's good for the players. They have a lot more freedom. Would yeah. you agree with that? To an extent, yeah. I, I think they have more freedom. Um, yeah. More choice, more often be able yeah. to to move from from a bad situation or their coach leaves that recruited them they can go with that coach they can go to a different coach so there's a lot of good let me ask what if any bad do you see for players in the portal it takes away from it takes away what little you know amount of commitment that they were forced to have before and I, maybe it's for me personally because I've always been a guy that values loyalty. I, I love guys like Kobe and guys like Manu who played their entire um, professional careers with one organization. I like people to kind of stick it out with someone through the so with a place through the thick and the thin. And I think it's kind of you know if the program's starting to go the wrong way, kids can just be like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore, and so they just jump in the portal and like get, like get out. And basically, the school has to let them go. So I think it's 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 good for them because, you know, they can leave a bad situation. They can leave a situation where they're not getting a chance to play and go to a better one for them. But then there's also guys that hop in the portal thinking it's the situation, but really it's them. And so they just end up at a whole nother school with the exact same thing happening. And it it's just kind of it. It took away the because the you know we, we, you you've talked about it before where kids will commit but they're not actually committed because they'll decommit and then change again and yada yada yada. Now they can just do that while they're in college. You know they they've committed right. to a school they play their two years and they're just like well actually this other school is talking to me and I'm you know they're a better team and so they can just hop on and it, it's it yeah so. So I agree with you. I I would like to state it as the following. Again, I do believe for the most part, it can be very good for players who a coach leaves and kind of leaves them holding the bag. They don't have to stay in that situation. Something may have been promised when they were committing to their first school and then they go, this is not what I thought at all. One of my most famous examples I can think of is Larry Bird went to Indiana and he has stated many times, put it in his biography and has said in interviews, he got there and immediately went, I've made a horrible decision. And he transferred out and went, had to sit out a year and went to Indiana state. So it there's, there's scenarios where it makes a lot of sense. The problem I have is there is this percentage of the player population that has been brought up, whether it's AAU slash travel slash I've gone to three different high schools 
because I'm not getting enough playing time and they're pursuing what only is best for them and never learn the concept of grinding something out, never learning. Are they, are they missing out on the opportunity to learn from failure, to learn from tough times, uh, to quote Dusty Rhodes. They haven't had that they get the hard times, you know, when Dusty Rhodes gave his hard times promo as for us as professional wrestling fans, he didn't go. And then I transferred to another, you know, but to, to that, but to the point, he did change companies. So again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to romanticize and say that you should have no portal. You should have no portal. You should have no transfers. It can be great for players. I also see how it can foster even more individualism or more uh, coddling mm-hmm. that happens yeah, all the way down to youth sports. Uh, and this Don't just the best player to leave. Right. And, and who's to say you're not going to get taken advantage of by someone in the portal to, and then you get there. And I mean, look at the guy who you mentioned, one of the guys who came from Kentucky and he got here and he didn't play. Well, I'm just going to go somewhere else. You start to get a reputation as a player who doesn't stick it out or who, you know, it's, it's not a good scenario. So it's not, it's not a scenario and it's not a, you know, like a, like a environment that fosters team. You know, I think it's, that's an underrated part, especially at the next level in the NFL. And where they, it, it does, it makes it harder. It doesn't make it harder, but it, it makes it not important to be part of a team, right? Like, cause you're supposed to be there for your teammates. But if you say that, and then you're also, but you know, I, I got a better offer somewhere else. Like that's just, right. it can be cheap sometimes. There you go. So, so I, I think, and I'm going to give away the ending. I think at the very end of this, what I would say is the portal is an opportunity and opportunities can be used wisely or used poorly. And so there's, <clears throat> there's no way we're going to state anything that is across the board. Everyone agrees. I just see that it, it enhances, it can enhance if it's used well and it can enhance bad situations if it's used poorly by both individuals and by teams. Okay. So we've, we've done the players bottom line. You and I would both agree on average, it's been great for players because it gives them more choice, more opportunities, a chance to fix one mistake. Uh, but then the bad of it is if they start to get a reputation of this guy's never happy anywhere he goes. Yeah, but that, that's a small minority. I think for every one of those, there's like two or three guys that either come from a smaller school and go up to a big school so they can get more draft interest or a guy that goes from a bigger school to a smaller school so that he could play and continue to you know be able to, act, to actually play the sport he loves. Agreed. Okay, so let's talk about coaches. Is the transfer portal good or bad for coaches? And again, it's, it's yes and no. because So it adds responsibility because you've got to recruit your team every season to make sure that, you know, somebody's not tampering with your guy and trying to get him to enter the portal. Uh, you got to make sure that your best players, like George Tech, I was watching the game or watching the whole season. I was watching Nate McCallum and I'm like, he's awesome. I really hope he doesn't transfer. And he ended up transferring. I'm doing the same thing with basketball. I'm like, man, Miles Kelly's a really good player. I really hope he doesn't hit the portal after this season. And so it, it just makes it to where the coach, not only are you recruiting your high school guys, you're recruiting your guys that you already signed. So it's bad in that regard. But at the same time, I mentioned Mike Norvell. It's a it, it's become a way to build a program up. 
in some way, shape, or form where you can, you know, go get other players, other teams, disgruntled players. You know, you can take a lottery ticket on a high prospect that hasn't had a shot to play. You can take a chance on a kid from a smaller school. It gives you more options to build your team because originally it was just if you can't recruit, you suck, right? Like you have to really be able to develop. Um, Now it's sort of you can recruit a little, but you can also take other people's players if they you think they haven't developed them the right way or kids already been developed, but he's looking for a bigger opportunity. You can take advantage of that and bring him into your program. So I think on average, it's good for the coaches because it gives them more optionality. But at the same time, it just makes they have to recruit twice as many people now. So I'm going to take everything you said is great. I'm going to take that last sentence you just said, and that is my point. The transfer portal for coaches is bad because Mm -hmm. everybody's on a one-year contract. Now, I know a vast majority of your players don't leave, okay? But when I'm a coach and I'm already engulfed all the time thinking about everything, and the coach, anything that takes away from – coaching anything that takes away from instruction building a community building a family and i've got to have in the back of my mind i gotta now re-recruit these kids year in year out you've taken 18 19 20 year old people and you are now having to sell them year after year after year and that just makes the coach's job that much harder. There is so little consistency. Name a pro sport that you draft a player and they can leave after one year. Doesn't happen. There's not. No. There, so so he, I, it's, I, if I'm a college coach, I'm like, I'd rather go be a pro coach because at least I got rookie contracts that I can keep them here for a few years. Now, I, I, again, going back to how it's good for the players, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a portal. I think they need to rethink some of the restrictions. You get one free, and then after that, maybe then it's you got to sit out a year. The The portal that made the most sense to me was a grad transfer. A player who'd been at a college, got their degree, and still had one year of eligibility, sky's the limit. Do whatever you want because you've earned the right to go play your last year. Javon Franklin, I love him. He's yeah. he's he's got his degree. He's studying masters. He's using the system for his education and he should be rewarded. That's a reward for a player who has put in the time. I also Same think thing with and, Yeah, and I also right. Absolutely. So I wish him nothing but the best because he's earned it. He's put in his time. Of course I want him to stay one more year. But so as a coach, I hate that now almost my entire roster has like I I hope no none of my people leave now that they've started to play. So I just think it's harder for a coach because I'm 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 coach and I'm recruiter now, not just of the people I'm trying to get in as freshmen and maybe trying to pick up a piece here or there out of the portal. Now I got to make sure everybody's happy all the time. And that's not a coach's job. That's my point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last, last, let's talk about alum and fans. Is the portal good or bad for alumni and fans of a particular college? I think on, on, on average, it's bad. 
personally because part of being a fan is especially the college program is you get to really build up like a relationship it's 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 a weird relationship but you get like a like a certain amount of love watching a guy like the reason i love jose so much is because i got to watch him go from a freshman to a senior and you you watch him grow up in front of your eyes right you got to watch him come in when the team was absolutely horrible and just kind of work on himself add parts to his game and just drag the team sometimes kicking and screaming up to respectability and that's fun to watch and with the portal it's not normally the stars especially at the top colleges and this is more for people like us at the the tech level you know alabama they don't have to worry about bryce young transfer you know ohio state doesn't have to worry about marvin harrison jr transfer but at tech when we get a good player when we get a jameer gibbs we're like holy crap this dude is awesome when the team's not, you know, as good, you're just like, well, great. Now he, when's he going to leave? You know, name a column. Oh, he's been so great. It's been such a great find. When's he going to leave? You know, I, I, it's all overall bad for the fans because they don't get to build those relationships. They get a lot of guys that come in for a year or two, and then they leave. Either they graduate because they came in as an older guy or they came in as a freshman. And if they transfer out, like they've only been there for two years. So you know, on average, you're not really getting to build those 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 fanships of individual players. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, the point I was going to make about being a fan or an alum of a particular college, I think in each major sport, there are on average about 10 colleges that are at the top of the heap. And year in, year out, they're near or at the top of the heap. Those colleges probably love the portal because everybody wants to keep coming to our school and most of our top players don't want to leave because where would they go? They'll leave if they're not playing. But the best of the best come here, five-star recruits, yada, yada, yada. And I'm okay because we'll just find somebody else. And Tech's biggest example of this is Jameer Gibbs left to go to Alabama. He's not going to transfer away from Alabama. He had his year, and now he's going to the NFL. He would have gone to the NFL even after one more year at Tech, but the the schools that are not at the top of the heap, it's they're going to say, I think, they don't like the portal because if our player plays well, what's to stop him from going to ring chase or championship chase or more nights on ESPN at, at prime times rather than just my ACC network or Big Ten Network or Pac-12 Network, as the case may be. That's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is, uh, as far as the portal goes, so everybody looks at the good news of the portal is, I can quickly change the fortunes of my team. Yes and no. While there are scenarios where it can help, the number of scenarios where they absolutely turn things around are dwarfed by the number of scenarios of how you never really get a team or it's hard or harder to get that team. And I don't know if anyone else is noticing it, but I've been paying attention to attendance at every college athletic highlight I watch or game that's on TV that I check in on or watch. And Georgia Tech, I'm seeing it on the on the social media posts, and we were at a game. Not a lot of people are coming to Tech basketball. Now, there's a reason. 
because we're not playing well. But I and I was thinking of the Pitt football game. Pitt was ranked at the time, and we were watching, and I was like, there's nobody there. You guys watch on the ACC network, the SEC, and all that. Watch these games. Now, again, top of the heap, top ranked, your big rivalry games, yeah, you'll get sellouts, but there's a lot of empty seats. And I think they're lo- they're potentially losing their fan base because the fans aren't invested because why should I invest if these guys are going to leave? And that's that's an oversimplification, and that's not the only point, but it is a point. And when John Calipari started the one and done years ago, I was thinking that what they're now going through, I could see it. It's hard to invest when I know they're going to be gone for a year. As long as you win, I'm happy. But now Kentucky's not winning. They're not ranked. And they're not selling out. Yeah, it's. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the. They're getting billions of dollars now in TV contracts for the conferences, so not a ton is going to change probably. And I would say has caught this is another topic for another time when we want to be hot sports takey and talk about things other than tech athletics is college sports. And we could say sports in general, but especially college athletics. It's become more of a TV show than it's become. I'm going to go cheer for my team. But the only reason it's great on TV sometimes is because of the fans that are there in attendance. Either way, in the end, the portal has a whole lot of positives and negatives. I can't pretend like I have the right answer. I just know that it gets really annoying to be watching Miles Kelly put up, you know, 17. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going to end up at Kansas next year or some other pretty good school, isn't he? If he doesn't go to the NBA. Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we really are only talking about 10% of the roster ends up transferring because it depends because Texas A&M had like 27 guys go in this season. Right. Now, and a lot of that was because their team now was that's chaotic. chaos. Correct. When you when you've lost the team, I mean, look at look at Collins last year. He lost the team at the end of the season and you had all those guys enter the portal. So there are there those are the outlier cases. On average, you're going to get a few, a handful to maybe five to ten percent of your overall roster at any point in time. But again, I just think as a coach, that creates more uh, work. And as a fan, it's harder to to get invested. But I think sports in general are becoming more of a TV show than becoming a sporting event to go watch. But that's 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 my age showing through and get off my lawn and. If it hadn't been for you meddling kids, I would have gotten away with it. There was a Scooby-Doo reference. So uh, I, I I like the topic. I like the conversation. We would love to hear what you think. Uh, email us at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. We want to thank you for listening. We want to tell you that if you are a Georgia Tech alum and fan, especially if there's another alum and fan in your life, please tell them about this show. We've been slowly and steadily uh, increasing the average number of listens to this episode. We are still in Mick Foley range, to make one more reference, of uh, we have the dozens and dozens of What's the Good Word fans, and we appreciate all of you. 
Uh, we'd love to see those numbers go up. We're not going to sell our souls to any corporate sponsors. Uh, and we are not going to put in commercials because this is a labor of love. And we just love getting together to talk about tech athletics. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. Joshua, any parting words and or I will get out of the way and let you take us home. Uh, go Braves. I'm ready for baseball season, uh, both for Georgia Tech and professional. Uh, and also, I, I'm going to say this now because I think I've said it on the show once or twice. Get ready for the NBA playoffs when they eventually happen. Because when the Pelicans make it, Jose Alvarado is going to single-handedly change a playoff series. It might not be this season, but at some point in his career, Jose Alvarado is going to become a cult hero in a city. Let's let's and, and I'm gonna jump back in because I do want to finish on a silver lining. Go to YouTube and search Jose Alvarado highlights. Actually, YouTube Grand Theft Alvarado. And just sit back and enjoy watching him show the NBA what playing hard looks like and how different that is. And it's so much fun to watch. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And to your point about baseball, pitchers and catchers report in, in uh, I believe, three weeks. And Georgia Tech baseball will be playing shortly after pitchers and catchers report. So, for Joshua... This is Stephen, and we leave you with one esoteric and very important question. Joshua, tell them what it is. What's the good word? <laughs>